This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. I'm on the telephone with Patrick Stoddard, WD9EWK, and Patrick is a veteran satellite operator of many years' experience. He's also a published author, and last but not least, he sits on the board of the Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation of North America, otherwise known as AMSAT. Good afternoon, Patrick. Hi, Steve. I wanted to mention the fact that many of uh, well, many of the people who listen to the podcast may not be aware that amateur radio has been placing satellites in orbit since, uh, what, 1961? Since 1961. Uh, amateur radio has been right alongside the space age since just about the very beginning with Oscar 1 in 1961. Do you have any approximate idea of how many amateur radio satellites, active satellites, are in orbit today? Active satellites? Off the top of my head, I think we have four or five that operate in FM. I think we're in the neighborhood of 10 for those with single sideband and CW equipment. We have the International Space Station, which is uh, either FM voice or packet, uh, along with the slow scan TV transmissions. And then there's probably dozens of other satellites that just transmit telemetry. You're not going to be able to communicate through them, but they're there if you wish to test your station or, you know, trying to decode telemetry from different satellites. Among all those satellites, which ones would you say today are the most active? The most active by far would be any of the FM satellites, and that's currently AO27, AO91 in daytime, uh, SO50, PO101. Occasionally, Lilac Stat comes on. And, and whenever the International Space Station's crossband repeater is on, uh, that will be the busiest of all. When you mention the FM satellites, those are functioning essentially as FM repeaters. Is that correct? That's correct. They're, they're crossband repeaters. And some of those, at least in my recent experience, were extremely active. It sounded like uh, the worst pileup you could imagine on a 20-meter de-expedition. They are busy. Uh, most hams have... 2-meter and 70-centimeter FM radios or dual-band radios that can be used with these satellites. The radios are, in relative terms, cheap. And if you have the radio, you can either buy or build an antenna, and you can try satellites without spending a lot of money. Unlike in the past, you know, with different satellites in different orbits, the big stations were... I couldn't afford it when I was uh, in university in the late 80s. Nice to read about. Well, now, you touch on a good point. In a little bit more detail, what would somebody who wanted to operate through one of the FM repeater satellites need in terms of equipment? The the bare bones would be a dual-band handheld radio, 2 meters and 70 centimeters, and certainly not the ducky antennas that come with the radios, but some sort of directional antenna, Yagi or log periodic, and there are different options of antennas you can either purchase or find the designs online and build yourself. So to get started from scratch, 
I've seen hams who have spent less than $50 get on FM satellites. And after that, it becomes a matter of improving. Maybe a different radio has a better receiver. You know, the antenna, the homebrew antenna is great, but maybe I want the arrow or the elk that I can buy at the store. Uh, a little easier to handle, uh, especially if you have to disassemble it for traveling. It's now, like anything else in the hobby. You know, once you get started, there are lots of directions you can go. Referring to the arrow, of course, just for those who may not be aware, that's a dual-band, uh, two-meter, seventy-centimeter Yagi antenna, as is the elk antenna. Although it's a, a log periodic, if my memory serves correctly. That's correct. The elk is a log periodic. The arrow is essentially two separate antennas for those two bands on the same boom. Uh, they they have comparable performance. I believe their pricing is uh, similar at the stores, and there are designs online. If you wanted to build something very similar to those, you could do that without buying the antennas themselves. Do you think 5 watts is adequate to work somebody through one of the FM repeater satellites? 5 watts should be adequate. I I use 5 watts uh, you know, often. Uh, there are times, unfortunately, where there's so many people trying to get through that a 5-watt radio you know, just isn't enough to get through the noise, to get through all the different signals trying to compete for the, uh, the satellite. There are people who will use dual-band mobile radios that may have 5 watts as the low-power setting but also offer other power settings higher, up toward 50 watts. Uh, the IC9700, I believe, is 100 watts on 2 meters and 75 watts on 70 centimeters, but you really shouldn't ever need to use full power on either of those bands from that radio. No, I would think not. Well, now, once again, with beginner operators in mind, the next question that would probably come up is, how do you know when these satellites are going to appear in your area of the sky? There are lots of ways to do that. There are websites where you can enter in your location, which can be as simple as your city or town or your grid locator or latitude and longitude and select the satellites you're interested in hearing or working. There are apps for mobile phones and tablets. There's software for computers, Windows, Mac, Linux, uh, software for those three popular operating systems. And in all cases, you would enter your location and then select satellites and the software or the web page will tell you uh, when those satellites will be in view and for how long. Usually it's uh, for the low earth orbiting satellites, it's roughly between 10 and 15 minutes. Is that right? 10, 15 minutes, uh, AO7 and RS44, you might get out toward 20 minutes or so, but usually 10 to 15 minutes is the typical pass. What about the single sideband CW, the linear transponder satellites? Uh, can you touch on that? Sure. Uh, instead of working with a single channel or single frequency like the FM satellites, the linear transponders listen on and retransmit some amount of bandwidth, which is typically anywhere from 20 to 60 kilohertz. You transmit up to them typically in CW or lower sideband, and the satellite will retransmit the signal. The CW signals will come through in CW. The lower sideband uplink will be inverted and come down as upper sideband. It's like a small HF band when each of those satellites is passing overhead. It requires more equipment, but it's a lot of fun. I've always enjoyed that. 
A little more equipment, sure. Uh, and there are more options for that now. You know, for many years, my go-to setup for the linear transponder satellites you know, was a pair of Yaesu FT-817s, a great portable HF, VHF, UHF radio in all modes. Oftentimes now, I substitute one of the 817s for a different radio on the downlink for the receiver, uh, which can be, you know, I've used an ICOM ICR-30 lately. That's a very good radio for those satellites. The all-mode receiver in the Kenwood THD-74 works pretty well, too. And software-defined receivers have uh, also worked well using a laptop or even a small tablet. That's what I was thinking of trying. I have a Yaesu FT-818, uh, and I was wondering about using that for the uh, uplink on single sideband, and then using a one of the basic SDRs, I mean really basic, you know, the RTL SDRs that you plug into the USB port as my downlink receiver. Some of those will work. Uh, the RTL uh, SDR dongles don't have a lot of front-end filtering, so sometimes they can be affected by strong signals that aren't even on the same band you're trying to receive. Uh, sometimes you can put a filter or even a diplexer in front of it and use that as a filter to uh, help out. I've had better luck with SDR Play or the FunCube Dongle Pro Plus. Those have some front-end filtering that the RTL dongles usually don't. But there are lots of SDR options, uh, and many of them can be powered off the computer or the tablet, so you don't need a big computer, especially in the field, to go that way. Of course, now, the reason for wanting to listen to your downlink signal from the satellite is because you are operating in full duplex, and you have to correct for the uh, drift and frequency that takes place. Is that correct? That's correct. The, the Doppler effect is much more noticeable on the linear transponder satellites. So you try to make the adjustments so not only can you hear yourself through the satellite, you can hear anybody else trying to call you or work you uh, when you're on those satellites. It's been a while since I've operated the linear transponder satellites, but it was always fun to call CQ hear my own voice coming back to me in my headphones, and then hear somebody sort of sliding into my frequency. You'll hear this distorted single sideband signal suddenly become clear as he dials into exactly where you are. That was a lot of fun. That is fun, and, ma and many operators still do that. Uh, you know, when you hear that, that's usually if it's not using computer control of his equipment, uh, doing everything by hand. I do that with my portable setup, you know, it's less equipment to take with me, less equipment that can break down in the field, uh, but others will use computer control, and they'll be spot on when, when they call you, but yes, there are, there are many times someone will slide onto the frequency, and, and you get used to it. You, know, you just wait, wait for them to get on your spot, you'll hear them clearly, and you can make contact. What about new satellites? Is there anything you can share about that? What might be coming up, say, for the remainder of this year? For the remainder of this year, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, the Chinese, you know, different organizations in China had planned to launch more amateur satellites during 2020. Uh, COVID put a stop to those plans. And some of the satellites were FM repeaters, some were linear transponders. Uh, I haven't seen anything with 
new launch dates for the satellites that were supposed to go up last year. Uh, that's probably, you know, the best chance for a large number of new satellites. You know, the Chinese are launching them with some advance notice, but you know, maybe not as much notice or detail as you would get from an AMSAT organization in North America or Europe. Getting out your crystal ball for a moment, Patrick, do you think HAMS will ever enjoy something in geostationary orbit like they are fortunate to have over the Middle East these days, an amateur radio geostationary satellite? An amateur radio satellite? Probably not. It'll probably be similar to what our friends in Europe and the Middle East have with QO100, a payload that's on someone else's satellite. Uh, I'd like to think we have a chance of that since there's an example of that type of payload in operation right now. Unfortunately, it's not a cheap proposition to get even a payload onto a, a satellite going up to that orbit. By the time this podcast goes live, it's going to be uh, early June, so field day will be just a matter of weeks away. Can you offer some advice to hams who would like to incorporate satellite operating into field day? Maybe they've never done it before? If they've never done it before, I would say right after listening to this podcast, Start gathering the equipment and practicing on satellite passes now and don't wait until field day weekend. You know, get familiar with it even with a couple of weeks practice is better than no practice and starting out from scratch on the Saturday morning of field day. And also be ready to try uh, operating late at night or early in the morning when many stations and many operators will be asleep. Uh, there will be people on passes throughout the 24 or 27 hours of field day, so there should be no issue in getting a contact. The challenge will be during the day, so many will be trying, it'll be, uh, it'll be tough. A lot of hams prefer to operate the FM satellites on field day. Is there any one satellite, FM repeater satellite, that you would recommend for field day? I think they're all going to be busy. I think, you know, SO50 is going to be available on whatever passes it, it comes over your station during field day. Others will be either limited to daylight passes like AO91 or AO27 is on a three and a half to four minute schedule mornings and evenings. Uh, maybe PO101 will be scheduled during field day weekend. It has been on during the weekends over the last few months. I think just be ready for crowds because the reason the FM satellites are often called the easy satellites will become apparent on field day when they're busier than at almost any other time of the year. <laughs> That's right. Do you think the International Space Station, the FM repeater, will be operational for field day? It might. Uh, I don't have any uh, inside knowledge on that. But since the, the new radio was lifted up to the space station and put in operation last fall, it has stayed in a particular mode, either FM repeater or packet, for usually two months at a time. It's due to go into the FM repeater mode on May 7th, and if that two-month period holds true, it should still be on for field day. It was remarkably loud the last time I heard it, and I, I was in, Patrick, an automobile with just a quarter-wave mobile antenna. And I, I was getting, at times, almost full-scale indications on my mobile radio. Well, the ISS is in the lowest orbit of any of our 
FM satellites, and the ISS uh, crossband repeater is transmitting at 5 watts compared to a half a watt from AO27 or a quarter of a watt from SO50. It should be the, the loudest signal you hear, and even at 5 watts, uh, I've heard people say it'll break the squelch. When they're not planning to work the ISS repeater, it'll just all of a sudden break the squelch on the downlink. Absolutely. About the linear transponder satellites, I know that they're not used as often during field day, but there are some people that do. Any advice about that? Similar advice in terms of being ready to try passes in the mornings and late at night. Uh, They do get busy, and in recent years, they've gotten busier. We're listening to uh, you know, AO7, you're think, you, know, you think you're listening to 20 meters with the amount of activity across the entire transponder. And the same thing with the other uh, XW2 and CAS4 satellites that have only 20 kilohertz transponders. Those are completely packed on most field day passes. Wow, that would be fun. I, I think it would be just for anything else, the education and the enjoyment to go to the extra effort to put together a field day station for those birds. There is that, and there is the element of education. There is the 100-point bonus under the ARRL rules that is the main motivator for field day groups to try satellite. Uh, I live in Arizona, and many times I'll make my contacts with my 5-watt stations uh, working passes where much of the footprint is over the Pacific. Uh, for those on the East Coast, uh, where the footprint may be over a good chunk of the Atlantic, those might be easier passes to work than a pass where the footprint covers coast to coast. That would you make know, sense. Just, yeah, it becomes a numbers uh, a numbers game. The uh, the coast to coast passes, there are more stations to work, but there are more stations trying to get through. You know, whichever satellite you're trying. Well, this is excellent advice, Patrick. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to help out. Thanks much. Thank you. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL, and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson. KC1JMW. See you next time.